Welcome back to Halford and Bruff here, Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd here filling in for Mike Halford. Uh, Halford and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste, primetime craft beer is full flavor without compromise at a liquor store near you or visit the brewery to see how it's made. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio, Kintech Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sorefeet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get your What We Learned submissions in now. Hashtag WWL, what you learned in the last 24 hours in sports. Uh, on the line, a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the Pittsburgh Penguins on Tuesday at Rogers Arena will give it to the best what we learn submission. So get yours in now. We'll announce it uh, the winner at eight thirty. And uh, still, lot, an open field, a wide open field. I would say. Looking at the inbox, so hit us uh, up. One texter is very, very upset that we keep talking about the NHL teams, and he thinks we should pivot to talk about the NHL fans because, after all, as he says, they are the ones that pay the bills talk what so maybe we should like he, well he wants us to rate rank the fans most passionate to least like passionate. like individually yeah like joe i, I don't think i've ever fan. seen a text like this before oh, enough talk about the nhl hockey teams no more pro hockey talk let's talk about the fan base i don't, I don't think that's a that's a bad shout How, ranking canadian fan base from most to terms, least passionate yeah well i think calgary and ottawa are right at the bottom yeah yes um, you know, Ottawa's I mean, Ottawa's dead last. So it's not close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't lump Calgary in with Ottawa. I will lump Calgary. No, in. no, no. I no, think no, they're no. a sleepy fan base. Ottawa could not care less about the Ottawa Senators. So I lived very briefly in Ottawa for a span of like four months. Mm-hmm. It was this was been like summer twenty ten, I guess. Okay, and or like spring going into summer, and they were they made the playoffs that year, first round series against. Sidney Crosby coming off the golden goal in yeah. his prime, like prime Sidney Crosby day of face value tickets available. Like I was literally listening to the radio. It's like, Hey, there's still tickets available. I was like, <laughs> all right, well, I guess I'll go if nobody else cares to go and watch Sidney Crosby in the playoffs. Then they lost that series. Literally the day after they lost, I was walking around downtown. Everyone who had been wearing all the bars that had, had Senator stuff out, all replaced with Habs stuff because the Habs were still playing. I think it was that's like a, the challenge a, of Ottawa, a right? Switch flipped. Yeah, there's all there were already a lot of Habs fans and there are already a lot of Leafs fans in the city, and I imagine a lot of people that go to work there aren't originally from the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, and it's and it's not a big, it's not a particularly it's not big, big city it's now. A small city. I mean, at least Calgary has the sea of red, right? I mean, they can get pretty. Fired up. At the I just compare Calgary to Edmonton, and I and I and I see more passion and more, um, and and sometimes that, you know, you're you're kind of like, well, okay, calm down, <laughs> out of the out of the Oilers fan base than the Flames fan base. Like the Flames fans, to me, and we've actually heard this a few times in the in the inbox. Like I live in Calgary, and. Like Flames fans just want to go to the game, enjoy, and like they're not particularly, um, at least they're not particularly critical of the team. Like I think the Flames are in for a rough ride over the next little while. I do wonder how much of the passion has been ground out of Flames fans by constantly being mid for the last like thirty years. Yeah, they've very rarely been elite. They've had their seasons here or there, but it hasn't translated outside of one. On haven't a, really a made runs. Run. Yeah, but it's they been also two decades made, now, I guess since since that one. Yeah. yeah, and they haven't really been terrible either, which you wouldn't think would increase passion, but at least it gives you something to be really upset about. It really, gives you draft about. picks to get excited about. Like yeah. it actually can increase the passion in ways where you look at Edmonton mm-hmm. they have been an absolute gong show at times yeah. then they get McDavid and all of a sudden now they're a cup contender with cup aspirations both of those things are a lot easier to be passionate about than just we're going to be the Calgary Flames year after year after year after year well Montreal Canadiens fandom is kind of dormant right now mm-hmm. as the team goes through this rebuild and you know, I've been to a Habs playoff game, and it was one of the best sports atmospheres I've ever been to. Um, those fans are so knowledgeable, and the team is just such a big part of the culture of Montreal that 
when you're there, you just, you, you do, I mean, this is so cliche and almost corny, but like you feel the history of the team yep. when you're there. Um, so it would be hard to rank the Habs fan I think you base to, outside the top three. I like, think you have to me. put them number one, frankly. I think it's a different beast than even Toronto or Vancouver because of that history and mm-hmm. that cultural connection. Yeah. Like, I, I think they that's the clear top three, but I think it has to be the Habs number one. And that's no shot at Canucks fans. They're is it cra- plenty invested. Is it crazier than the Canucks fan base? So, I don't know. because I, I think guess, we I almost think, take pride in being a crazy fan base, although some people are like, it's toxic. I'm like, and I hate that word. I'm like, stop overusing toxic. I feel like probably most of the craziness, <laughs> and so I'm not in a position to judge it in Montreal, happens in French. Like, don't you think – I get the sense that that's where, like, the really tough media is, is on the French side of things in Montreal. Probably, You know yes. what I mean? So I think yes. we're not – it's, like, this whole other world of – I'm mm-hmm. sure they're having really intense conversations over yeah. there, but I don't speak French, so right. I'm not privy to it. You're speaking too fast. <laughs> it's like, I have no idea what you're saying. You're probably ripping somebody, but I couldn't possibly tell. I think Montreal is uh, is number one, for sure. Uh, okay, where do you want to go next? Um. All right, so – should we uh, should we get into some uh, some red meat of ranking players in the NHL and other other people having ranked players at yes. ESPN? So yes, uh, who friend who, of the show? Which Canucks are getting screwed? Yes. by Wh- the who, national writers. Who can this passionate fan base be angry about for ranking their players? Tier three B. Only three. We're gonna get this going again. Yeah, ESPN actually was the uh, was the far more guilty party in the great Quinn Hughes ranking controversy in preseason. They had him way, way down the list uh, compared to the Athletic. But anyways, Greg Wyshynski, friend of the show at ESPN, he's been doing this project, polling players and executives around the league, ranking players by position. He's done goalies, defensemen, wingers. Now the final one, centers. And uh, some interesting Canucks notes in here. So I'll run through the top ten. Quickly, no surprise at number one, Connor McDavid, Nathan McKinnon, two, Austin Matthews, three. Fair enough. I think that's all, pretty consensus. All three of those. Consensus top three there. And Sid number four. Sid Crosby number good. four, sure. A little surprised to have him over Leon Dreisaitl, who comes in at number five, but whatever. Uh, Alexander Barkov at six. Jack Hughes at seven, which surprised mm, me a little bit. Yeah. That, Braden okay. Point at eight. Jack Eichel at nine. Elias Pettersson comes in at 10, just making the top 10. So according to this ESPN poll of players and executives around the league, Elias Pettersson officially a top 10 center in the NHL. And uh, here's another note. After Pettersson, the next highest vote getter was his teammate JT Miller, who is currently six in the NHL in scoring one executive and one veteran defenseman had Miller fifth on their ballots. So I wouldn't say any of this is too disrespectful to the Canucks at all, really. No, it's super disrespectful. Everyone's got to okay. get, everyone's got to lose their minds about it and be toxic about this crap. Come on. Yeah. No, I think it's totally appropriate. I look at some of the names ahead of Elias Pettersson there. Mm-hmm. Would I take Elias Pettersson in a game over Jack Hughes right now? Yeah, probably I would. I really like Jack Hughes, but I don't know that I would rank him above Elias Pettersson. I think anyone above that on the list is like, yeah, fair enough. Could you make an argument for Patterson over Eichel, Point, and Hughes? I think you could, but I also don't have a problem with him uh, coming in 10th. And then Miller at 11th is really interesting Mm -hmm. as an honorable mention. How big a separation, and this is a conversation that's going to come up in terms of the Canucks Stanley Cup chances, but also Elias Patterson's uh, contract negotiation, how much separation do you see between the top five and the bottom five? So you've got in the top five, you've got McDavid, McKinnon, mm-hmm. Matthews, Sid, and Dreisaitl. And then in the bottom five, you've got Barkov, Hughes, Braden Point, Jack Eichel, and Elias Pettersson. It feels like a pretty clear tier gap there, right? Yeah. After dry. So I don't look, Barkov's incredible player, mm-hmm. phenomenal player, but nobody is going to make the argument for him being with dry and Matthews and McKinnon. So that's a clear drop off. And it's interesting because we've started to see and hear a lot from fans and listeners. You can't pay Elias Pettersson 
anything close to what guys like McKinnon, McDavid, Matthews are making because he's not in that tier. So McKinnon's cap hit is 12.6. Could you see PD's cap hit above that? Honestly, I could. Yeah. Now I don't I wouldn't bet on it, mm-hmm. but if he had if he signed a twelve point seven five cap hit, it would not stun me at all. Because would that be long term? I would think it would have to be eight years. Because this is the first year. Because, yeah, because normally you think about signing the long term contract to keep the cap hit down. But I think in the case of Pedersen, it would be higher. Yeah. If it's an eight-year because deal, because he's foregoing his other yes. his next hit at free agency, so you to, exactly. if you want to get prime him, years, yeah. If you want prime to get years. him an eight-year on an eight-year deal, you're going to have to pay a really big AAV. So I could see that. So is McKinnon going to be yet another bargain for the Avs in a couple of years when his cap hit is twelve point six? He's still only twenty-eight years old. Yeah, I mean, I don't. It's never going to be like it was. No, no, you know, no. I mean, that was a crazy bargain. That was out, out of control. The, the biggest bargain on this list is probably Jack Hughes, who's at $8 million for mm-hmm. the next like six years or something like that. That's an incredible bargain. But I think with uh, the reason I say I wouldn't be stunned to see Patterson come in over Nathan McKinnon, look at what we've heard from Canucks management directly from themselves. Listen to the reporting from Elliot Friedman. Like, how many times has Friedman said, Whenever Pedersen is ready, the Canucks are ready to back up a dump truck full of money to him, right? We've heard Jim Rutherford say, like, hey, long-term, short-term, whatever PD's most comfortable with, we're willing to do. The Canucks have made it very clear that they're going to do whatever is necessary to get Pedersen to re-sign. So if Pedersen comes in and says, okay, here's what it is, eight years, $12.8 million, mm-hmm. I don't – like, are they going to grind him down to twelve point five, or are they just going right. to say, all right, here you go? You know what I mean? I think they probably just if if that's what Pedersen decides it's going to take, I think that could happen. I'm kind of surprised by the amount of textures in the inbox that wouldn't put PD in the top ten centers in the NHL. There's there seems to be some. Dissent. There is. Are, we are, are at really a, surprised. We're, no, I guess I'm we're not. We're at a we're, low. We're polarized. We're at kind of a crossroads we, right we now. We are big time polarized. These we are going through the PD wars. Yeah. Right now, <laughs> I don't wars. know. I don't know how long. <laughs> Not quite tech war, but. <laughs> well, I mean, we went I mean, it's the... better than the Goldobin Wars. Oh, my God, the Goldobin <laughs> Wars. Or the Ulevi Wars. There was a, there, actually, The yeah. Ulevi Wars. The oh, Ulevi no. Wars. Was this, wasn't that a war so much Oof. as just maybe like a, a, a skirmish? skirmish? Yeah. yeah. It was a skirmish. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was, was a cold war. That really. was like, it never that, really got going. That, that, that was like the Falklands. It was like, it was a battle, but. <laughs> the it, Falkland let's, Islands let's, have been invaded. <laughs> let's, let's not call it a war. Uh, the disputed islands. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Ulevi Wars, but the Gold Omen Ugh. Wars raged for a couple of years, for a while. And yeah, those were those that were, was pretty tough. Those were low moments when Man. people would just like. Send, if only Travis Green they, had played them more. They would they would send me like player cards. You know those yeah, ones yeah. that they make. And I'm like, uh huh. Like yeah. they'd mail them to you. Yeah, I'm like, does that mail mail account into quality of competition at all? Not anything. Like, have you watched them play? It doesn't really battle for the puck much at any rate let's not go do that um i think there's there's starting to become a a real clear divide of people that you know recognize the elite talent of elias Pettersson, and you know if anything it's probably like um reminiscent of the luongo wars because i really do think there is an element out there of people that for whatever reason, Petey rubs them the wrong way. Mm. And that is always going to impact discussions about a player, uh, a player's personality. Um, Speaking of the Blue Jays, I often like to uh, anger Laddie by going like, you know, something about Bo Bichette just rubs me the wrong way. Maybe it's his hair. Maybe it's his look. I, I, I don't know, but like, and he just, he just goes ballistic. He's like, Hey dude, one of the best players in baseball, like look at his stats and all that sort of thing. And I'm like, yeah, but still, you know, like I, I, I don't <laughs> know. He's it's a just, Johnny United. Yeah. It, no, no. It was, it was, haircut, it was you can said I watched you. Yeah. It's just like, I don't know. It, it, he just yeah, seems, but on the just, other hand, yeah, but he just seems like a prima donna, you know, like, I don't know. I, he's not that, just he's just not my kind of guy, right? And, 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 and it'll about... just he'll just go he'll go crazy, right? And it's fun for me because he'll like list off all these stats and all the things he does well, and I'll just be like, 
Yeah, I don't know. They haven't won with him though. You know, like he doesn't. I don't know if he's a leader. The thing that, that ticks me of off thing. about Bo Bichette is his pitch selection. It freaking swings at everything outside the zone. <laughs> That's the only thing that drives me nuts about Bo Bichette. He could be the biggest prima donna in the world if he could freaking lay off a pitch outside the zone uh, every once in the in a while. But I think you're right. Where we are at, and this happens to a certain degree with prospects and young star players in general, right? Like when they come into the league, they can do no wrong, right? They are precious, beautiful snowflakes in the eyes of fans. And if they're not having success, it's because the coach isn't putting them in a position Mm -hmm. to succeed. You know, management is letting them down. It's everyone else's fault, but the player. Then as they get older and they become, they get a bigger salary. They're up for a bigger salary. They're now the no doubt about it. Best player on the team. All of a sudden the weight of expectations kicks in and the conversation can turn very, very quickly. And we're at now, we've done the complete cycle of Elias Patterson, right? Mm-hmm. From, oh my gosh, we drafted this guy at five. Look what he's doing in Sweden. Oh man, he came in, he scored, you know, 10 goals in his first 10 games. He's the savior of the franchise. That goal looked like the one Gretzky that, scored. Exactly. I, was, I did that. PD can do, Gretzky did it. Yeah, Gretzky yeah. came on the station and was like, wow, that reminded me of me. Yeah, yeah, We've done the complete cycle now and now it is, and then here's the thing. We are not going to solve the Pedersen Wars at the very least for the next couple of months because mm-hmm. of this, he's at the stage of his career now where there's basically nothing he can do in the regular season that's going to answer the complaints of certain people that are having these uh, these complaints, right? Because ultimately what it is, what we're hearing is people are skeptical that he can be the best center on a winning team. Now, I think he absolutely can. But until you do it, there's going to be those questions. And to your point, I do think it's also a lot of this is about not necessarily about his results on the ice. It's about his personality. And I don't have a problem with his personality, but there's, you know, there's a reason some people gravitate to JT Miller more than Elias Pettersson because JT Miller is very expressive, wears his emotions on his sleeve. Mm -hmm. I think it's easier for a lot of people to connect with that player than it is with somebody like Elias Pettersson. Now, I don't think that means you should you should try to keep straight, like, okay, but what are they actually doing on the ice? But I understand that's difficult as well. Yeah. Every time I mention Luongo and the fact that, like, some people, like, he rubbed some people the wrong way with his personality, the same number texts in. And, like, he goes, your obsession with Louis is pathological. Louis is a generational player your ignorance is stunning. Get help. Uh, it's it it's absolutely hilarious. I'm like, maybe that's a you thing that you're listening to this the whole time. Like, I'm just acknowledging that Luongo was a very polarizing player in this town, and it reminds me of that because, I mean, agree or disagree? No, you're what, right. He was, was incredibly was, polarizing. Was, was some of the Luongo things his personality, especially 100%. early on. It was like, this guy takes himself too seriously. Uh, this guy, um, you know, he's he just seems like a bit of a prima donna. And then... Well, that and the mental battles and the big game collapses. I mean, there's... A, yeah. Those three things, like, really... Confidence, right? Yeah, like, he would get in his yeah, own yeah. head and start to have a bad well, game after a bad goal, or the stakes would be incredibly high. What do high they say about Petey? Bit pouty. When yeah. things aren't going his own way, Right. Maybe even if the team, even if the team is doing well, sometimes Petey looks a little, a little forlorn on the bench, and his body language isn't the best. Um, you know, those conversations happen about players, and they impact whether some people are fans or not. And then other fans are like, "Look at the numbers, like look at you know, look in in the in the like so and so and so this guy who keeps." Texting in about Luongo still every time I bring up the fact that he was a polarizing player. Might be Luongo. Right? I don't think it's Luongo. I I think think Luongo, uh, first of all, because he's probably not listening to the show, but also, like, I think Luongo recognized that he made some mistakes in his time in Vancouver. And one of the reasons he is so beloved now, and a lot of people look back and they're, like, kind of willing to, like, forget about, you know, some of the games. And, you know, they're just like, this guy's funny. He's learned some lessons. He's been humbled. Um, this, you know, he's realized that there's more to life than hockey, and you don't need to take yourself so seriously, right? And that sometimes he did come up short in games, in big games, and that's fine. It happens to the best athletes. Um, but I think there's something about Pedersen's 
you know, his 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 uh, his lack of willingness to speak sometimes. Uh, the fact that he'll say things like, "Oh, I don't want to make headlines for you guys," and you're like, "Well." It's just part of the job, you know, mm-hmm. like, and this isn't just as a, this isn't, this isn't just me as a, as a media guy. Like, like I, I, I love that we have a guy like Pedersen that is a little bit, um, I, first of all, I think he's a terrifically talented player and very important player for the Canucks. And one of the reasons why, you know, like it's going to be our focus for a lot of the rest of the season, whether or not he can gel with, the, with any linemates, whether or not we can find a spot for him on the Vancouver Canucks where he can be at the best of his abilities because the best of his abilities are an elite hockey player. But I also understand why some people would be rubbed the wrong way by his personality. He is, I think, an introvert by nature. I think his teammates would probably call him that. Um, I don't think he's super outgoing like JT Miller. And the outgoing extrovert is often the person that people are drawn to. This text comes in, uh, JT shows up and does stuff in big games, nothing to do with personality. So, look, I'm not going to go and like sort who scored the most points this season in games against top five teams or whatever, but it wasn't that long ago. Like, January, Canucks on the road against the Rangers, one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, four points for Elias Pettersson. A couple days later against the Pittsburgh Penguins, four points for Elias Pettersson. You don't have to go back that far to find examples of Elias Pettersson in against really good teams putting up points and helping this team get wins. We were talking about that last week as well, like with the playoff bubble. Like we're like, how about the bubble? Like he was great in the bubble as well. What big games? As much as we like and we get excited for like the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday – it's a fun game, but it's not a high-stakes game. It's an interesting game, but it's not a big game. Like, the Canucks actually aren't truly playing big games right now. Big games happen in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So this idea, I know because they lost to Colorado and they've lost to Winnipeg, that all of a sudden there's this idea like, oh, they don't show up against the best teams, which I don't think is true at all. But this idea that if Patterson goes and scores two goals against Boston on Saturday, because that's, quote, a big game, that all of a sudden everyone's going to be satisfied with his performance. And, oh, yeah, okay, fine. You've you've shown us enough now, Pete. He's like, no, that can't happen in the regular season because these aren't actually big Big games. They're fun. They're interesting, but they're not ultimately actually that high stakes. Yeah. That being said, can we talk about how fun a sports weekend it's going to be in Vancouver sure. with the Rugby Sevens here and also the Canucks Bruins game on Saturday at four o'clock? Um, I'm sure there's going to be some people that go to the rugby uh, right up until four o'clock and then just head across the street to Rogers Arena. Uh, I will be one of these people. Um, I might be doing it on a press pass, though, so I don't know if I'm going to be having as much fun as everyone else. Um, There's going to be some fun games coming to Rogers Arena, and not to forget tonight's game down in Seattle, which is a big one for the Canucks. Can't lose four straight. Can't be like, we haven't lost three straight all season and then lose four straight. Can't do that. But there's a pretty good chance of it happening. You know, I think the odds are probably slightly in favor of the Canucks winning this game, but that still gives the Kraken a pretty good chance at this thing. And the Kraken are still a team that's alive in the playoff race. And they'll look at this game as a huge game for themselves as well. But we've got the Bruins coming to town on Saturday. And then even though the Penguins are struggling, anytime Sid comes to town is a big deal for me. And I, and I try to go to those games because Crosby um, Mm -hmm. to me is like just the, I don't know, he's the epitome of what a hockey player and a leader should be, even if he's a bit boring, right? I actually don't find him boring because I find him, like, so obsessed about the game that I find that interesting. But at the same time, he is, um, like, you can tell he's loved and respected by his teammates. Oh, yeah. Absolutely loved and respected by his teammates. I think it's incredible that he's gone his entire career without ever really any big-time controversy. Like, did Flyers fans not like him? Yes. He was like, yeah. And he was like, and he, I mean, maybe the most controversial thing he ever said was like, I don't like the Flyers, right? Which is awesome. Like, what? But I think that's awesome when he said that. Like, we need to get those rivalries back. You know, he's like, I don't like those guys. And we don't hear many players say that anymore. And he said that a while ago now. I mean, those Flyers-Penguins, that rivalry is 
you know, hasn't been what it is for, yeah. for a while now. It's kind of like the Bruins Habs rivalry. It hasn't been what it is for a while now. But, you know, so you've got this Bruins game where the Canucks are going to be looking for um, not necessarily revenge. I'm not going to put it at revenge, but maybe a, 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 some semblance of redemption after their performance in Boston, which was one of their worst, if not the worst of the season. Mm-hmm. It's hockey night in Canada, four o'clock start. So, you know, a lot of people back east are going to be watching this game. And I do think, although, like, I agree with you that it's actually not, like, high stakes, big game. You know, if the Canucks lose this, so be it. And if they win it, frankly, so, so, be, so it. be it. So be it. But, like, there will be extra energy in the building. And it is good practice for the playoffs because you will have that extra buzz and I know it's been a long time, almost a decade, since there's been that feeling of like electricity in the building for a playoff game. But I think it's good prep to have these games where even though it's just a regular season game and they're all worth two points and you can say that, it's Saturday night against the Bruins, two of the best teams in the NHL in your own rank. You want to show up for that, and if not, if I was the coach of the team, I'd be like, I want to prep my guys and tell them this is a big game, and there's a lot of people out there that are saying that you guys don't show up for the best teams, that you can't hang with the best teams, that you know you've beaten a bunch of cupcakes all season, and that's why you are number one in the overall overall standing. So I want to prep my team for that. Pressure meets pressure. All the Rick Taka things that he's been talking about. Practice it at the very least. Practice it and get yourselves ready for the playoffs because this last stretch is all about getting yourself ready for the playoffs. Show that you're truly elite. Take out the big teams. Yeah. That's what matters. Yeah, exactly. I I know we got to go to break. I just want to point this out. It was a really good text, and I won't read it verbatim, but one texter did want to point out – regards to the Pedersen Wars, if that's what we're going to call them, is that at one one point, if you remember, early in his career, Pedersen was actually really showing his personality quite a bit via social media, on Instagram especially, and was criticized heavily for it by a lot of the fans. And at that point, you sort of started to see that kind of disappear from him. And so I guess it's a wonderment, is, is that possibly what kind of plays into the way he carries himself now? Like, he tried to showcase his personality, mm-hmm. and some people didn't like the social media and the Instagram stuff. There was a spin chicklets thing as well, if I recall. Um, so maybe that's kind of what made him shift a little bit as well. Somebody else. I think, he's, worth I, think there, I think there's definitely an element of, like, once bitten, twice shy. It's like, all right, With I showed my personality, you of... criticized me, I'm not going to do it anymore. That kind of yeah. thing, you know? But I just think that's, uh, I think that's wrong-headed. But I'm not Petey, right? Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, if you're a professional athlete, especially in a Canadian market like Vancouver, I mean, it's really hard to do this. Like, believe me, it's really hard. You know, even as a media guy, we have to understand this, and there are days where it's really hard, if not impossible. Not everyone's going to like you. Yep. This is not everyone's going to like you. That's the way it is, yeah. Just accept it. You know, not every, so show your personality if they, and they'll take it or leave it. And you're a professional hockey player that's really good. Most people will take it. Yeah. Most people absolutely love you, right? So, um, but again, I, I, I can't compare with the, I, I can't imagine, you know, actually we, we might play some audio from Justin Fields later in the show, the quarterback for the Chicago Bears, um, who unfollowed the Chicago Bears, unfollowed the NFL on Instagram. And then people were making a big deal of that. And we're going to play some audio of him going, I was just sick of it all. I was sick of hearing all the debate about me. Should I stay with the Bears or should they trade me and draft Caleb Williams? And for a young athlete to be able to just go on Twitter or X and search your name and see all these people oh, with this, like these widely. I wouldn't even want to, I couldn't do that. I would just, yeah. It, it would destroy it, me. It would be awful. And, I'm, <laughs> and I, I've, I've, I've said this on the show many times. I've had conversations with like the young Canucks back when I used to go in the room and talk to them. Um, and I'd be like, why are you guys even on social media? Like, 
what why why and it's like well everything's, everything's yeah, there no benefit yeah. to but it you know all. what's funny is like and then a few years later i and wh- that conversation was with horvat actually and a few years later you hear like i actually deleted all my <laughs> social media right and jt miller will be like i don't you know i feel like jt miller probably has a flip phone yeah you know jt like, miller is like a, a yeah. six-year-old guy and like a 30 year old body kind of that's the vibe i get from him no like, i think he's i think he's, he's like from a, a different year old guy yeah he's like, yeah, yeah. he's you, like transported from the, the 1970s and yeah, yeah, placed yeah. into current generation yeah yeah, yeah. and awesome. he's just like uh yeah i, 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 I don't know what even that is yeah, yeah i'm going home to my wife and kids and... yeah jan pro the leaders in commercial cleaning and janitorial if your workplace demands a clean environment contact jan pro for a free no obligation quote visit janpro.ca ian furness we'll talk about the seattle kraken and more with him that's coming up next here on Halford and Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Halford and Bruff here, Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Jason Bruff here. Halford and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Meticulously brewed for quality and taste. Primetime craft beers, full flavor without compromise at a liquor store near you. Or visit the brewery to see how it's made. What are you chuckling about over there? A lot of people caught a dog's <laughs> slippage about, I sleep in a big wife with my bed. I'm like, yeah. we're still quoting Simpsons, and now we're starting to forget them, I yeah, guess. we're just mixing it up a little bit. That's all right. Uh, 650, 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. <laughs> right now, uh, the Canucks are playing the Seattle Kraken tonight. In Seattle, so we will go to the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call, where we are joined uh, from... Oh, not yet. Excuse me. Sorry. We are still getting Ian Furness uh, on the line. So uh, we'll get him momentarily on the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. Uh, But uh, yeah, until we get Ian on, the the Patterson Wars are still raging in the inbox. Lightened, though. A-Dog lightened the mood with his, uh, his Simpsons reference screw up there. So, nice. um, while we're waiting f- to get Ian, uh, what is the biggest question for you about c- tonight's Canucks Kraken the power, game? Power play. Or special teams in general, yeah, can you say? Yeah, I mean, the penalty mostly kill. mostly the power play? Mostly the power play, to be honest. Because mm. I look at the, p- the PK against Minnesota as that was just, I'm willing to write that off, right? Yeah. But the power play has been such a consistent issue for the team now that's mm-hmm. my number one question in in uh and we'll talk to drance in half an hour in high leverage situations yes, they exactly. have fallen short they have fallen short all right now joining us on the dispatch plumbing heating and air conditioning hotline from kjr radio and fox 13 in seattle he is ian Furness. ian thank you for doing this how are you today good good morning gentlemen how are you guys uh we're doing well so it's the canucks and the kraken tonight and you know the kraken in kind of desperation mode right now still alive in the playoff hunt but we've got a lot of work to do if they want to get back to the stanley cup playoffs we were talking earlier in the show kind of kicking it back and forth between ourselves who's the seattle kraken's best player right now (laughs) oh man uh i i i guess i'd go with jared mccann i think that's the easiest one i mean maybe maybe vince dunn I'd say it'd be a pretty good battle between the. If we're going to take the goaltenders out of it, are we just talking skaters? No, no, no. Feel free to put in Joey Decord right now. Well, well, Joey's carried the team. I mean, it's just it's it's the reason they're just still in it is Joey. Uh, I mean, he's been sensational since he kind of took over that number one spot when Grubauer got hurt back in December, and and I mean Decord just he's carried them. I mean, a nine twenty one save percentage, uh, goals against a two three seven. You know. You know, the analytics goal saved above expected is, you know, at one point before he took over the number one spot, he was, I want to say like 60 something in the NHL in that stat. And, you know, and, if, and I think that's when a lot of people put a lot of a stock in these days. <clears throat> now I haven't looked at it lately, but I know he's climbed up quite high. Most games he's in the plus category of that. And he just, he's carried the team. I mean, I, I think it's, there's no doubt. I mean, there's a brief debate who's number one. I don't think there's a debate anymore, although it'd be interesting to see who goes tonight. I, I will, I will say that. Decord wasn't great against Detroit on Monday. 
So maybe there's a chance that the Grubauer goes tonight. Um, but I'd say, you know, DeCour is the best player. If you're looking at skaters, Jared McCann's been, been really good. He's been really solid again, and Vince Dunn's been really good. But outside of that, I don't I, I think everybody else you could probably make an argument has had a, a down year, or from, certainly from what they expected. Where is Matty Beneers' game right now? Who? Never heard of him. Haven't seen him. Uh, looking for him. Trying to still find him. Uh, him and, and Barakovsky. Where, where, where are those two guys? He's just, he's just, I don't know, guys. He, he had a streak. He had a couple, I think three or four points, four points in two games, and then was held off the sheet against Detroit. So we kind of thought he was turning it around. I mean, he's got eight goals in 50 games, 23 points in 50 games. He's a minus 10. Um, I think he plays tentative sometimes, to be honest with you. I I don't know if the physical play is something he's adjusted to. I think last year he kind of got away with it. He was an unknown commodity. He kind of had a little more ice to work with. Uh, it is funny. He got just smoked in the Islander game. Just a, I mean, a good clean hit, but just got drilled, goes, you know, back first into the boards, kind of slow to get up. And the same shift comes back 20 seconds later and scores a goal. And I thought, all right, well, you know what? Got drilled, got hit, got through it, scored. But I just, I don't know. He just feel, it just feels like there's something not there with him. And I, you know, people use the, and I've even heard the coaches, oh, you know, a little sophomore slump or this and that. Like, what does that mean? Like, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know what that means. This isn't a college kid in, you know, in division one football. So I don't know what the sophomore slump is. He just, he's been, I mean, I'll be honest with you. He's been a disappointment. He's a good player. He's a highly skilled player, but you know, 23 points in 50 games. I mean, there's, there's guys on this roster that they need to put up points. If they're going to win, that sounds like the obvious thing, but it's true. Like there's guys that have to put up points that just are not getting it done. Everly would be in that category as well. Um, He's been a little better lately has Jordan, but you know, it's just a lot of guys that have been passengers on the train this year. So 2021, the Kraken take Matty Beneers, um second overall. And 2022, yeah. they take Shane Wright fourth overall. Both those guys right. are centers. Uh, Shane Wright had been talked about, you know, leading up to the draft as a possible first overall pick. Um, there was rightly, I suppose, a lot of excitement about the future with the Kraken. If you had... Beneers and Kraken, uh, Beneers and right down the middle for years to come. Right. So where's that talk now? Well, I think it's still there. You know, I, the once you know, let's let's bring Shane into the conversation. I mean, he's 19, so uh, you know, I think we're and I, there's a lot of people here. Hey, I've I've heard, and this is kind of the nuances of the new, you know, a new NHL team and a new, you know, a new franchise. I've heard. Even people on our station ask me, like, oh, is, is Shane Wright a disappointment because he's not up right now? I say, guys, he's 19. He should still be playing in juniors, like, in, in theory. I mean, he's a 19-year-old. Um, you know, and if you're not for, you know, already been there a couple times, he would have been on the World Junior Team this year, right? Probably would have helped him, actually, come to think of it, in retrospect, right? So it's – it's, uh, but he's having a really strong year down in the American Hockey League, and I think it's been good for him down there, to be honest with you. When, I, I've always thought when he's been up here, he's never looked out of place. Uh, and you know the the small short opportunities he's had, but the the funny thing is in terms of now I'm not saying high end or even really good depth, but in terms of you know just deep, they've got three centers ahead of them and Beniers, Wenberg, and Gord that are all veterans, and I don't think they want to throw them on a fourth line right now. And you know depending on even though Hackstall is known for using that fourth line more and, and having more minutes. I think that, you know, my guess is in an ideal world, trade deadline, depending on where this team is, one way or the other, they move Alex Winberg. And the second they do that, Shane Wright will be up here. And then all of a sudden you can kind of get a glimpse. Okay, Beneers, Wright, uh, and Gord, one, two, three. I, I think they'll feel pretty good about those three centers moving ahead. But uh, until then, that's why Wright's down there. And Beneers, like, by no means is he a bust. It's just he just – can't find his game right now mm-hmm. and that happens right that just happens there's been line juggling this year this team's had a lot of injuries a lot of guys that have been out and banged up along the way um and so they've kind of mixed and matched and done a lot of different things and they haven't had the, last year they were really consistent from all-star game through the end of the playoffs they had the same top three lines every night like every single night there was like it was the easiest thing for the broadcasters in the history of hockey you just looked out there and the same three same top nine guys every single night. They haven't had that luxury this year. How important is it for the Kraken as a franchise to get some star level players, whether or not that's Beneers and 
um, Shane Wright eventually or maybe sooner you try and swing for some deals either in free agency or more likely oh I don't even know how you, how you do it the NHL is so hard to make big trades but um, yeah. does does the, does the market need like a, who'd you come here to see on the Kraken not on the other team like I remember with the Grizzlies the short-lived Grizzlies it was like who are you going to watch tonight well definitely not Blue Edwards right it was like you right, know yeah. it was like Michael Allen Jordan Iverson. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah that that sort of thing um and those were the games that people would get up for it would be the games to like wow I saw Michael Jordan tonight and also the Grizzlies played I, I don't think it's important for the one guy, to be honest. I think it's important to win. I think that's what's important is to win. I, I think in our, in our particular market, you know, the NBA is such a different beast because it, it, the NBA is truly the haves and the have-nots. And so if you're a have-not, then, then you'll go watch, you know, whatever. Most NBA teams have a guy you want to go watch, even a bad team like San Antonio's got Webayama, you know, things like that. So, I think the NBA is different in that regard. I think the NHL is more NFL-like in the sense that it's the brand, the team, the logo, you know, all those things, and then it's winning. So, like, okay, you know, what we've seen this year, and and I think we'll always see this in our market because contrary to what a lot of people believe, you know, this is a this is a pretty good, you know, a pretty solid base of hockey fans have have been here. And so, you know, but what we've seen is, you know, like, Detroit was here the other day. A lot of Red Wings fans were in town or we're here, we're here at that game. You know, people that probably grew up as Red Wings fans for whatever reason. We've seen that with the Canadian teams when they come here. Boston, when they've, when they've come here, and they come here in a couple of weeks, we've seen a lot of Bruins fans. So kind of like the NFL where you your home games, you'll see a lot of fans from the other bases. That's big. I think for this team, what they need is they do just – they need to win. Um, last year they had such great momentum coming into this season with the playoff run and what they did. And – you know, I, they didn't do a good job of building off of that because they've had kind of just a, a so-so start. If you look at their month by month, they're basically, you know, right around 500 every month this year. So they haven't really had a great month. They haven't had a really horrible month, and that's kind of who they are. That's probably who they are as a team. And, you know, but I don't know if they need that superstar. A personality would be good, guys, like a real good personality. They they try the Tanner thing with the goofy headshots. He, he's a fourth line player and he's not a good interview. The personality isn't really there. You know, he just makes a funny face when he gives headshots. Uh, Joey can be that guy. I can tell you that. Like, I think Joey's that guy, uh, but he's a goalie. And unless your name's Luongo, that's kind of hard to be really the face of the franchise. So um, they just need to win. Winning cures all. Playoff runs cure all. And I'll be honest with you. The best thing, the best thing that can happen to this franchise and, and the sport and the business of hockey would be to be the eighth seed and have Vancouver be the one seed and have that as a matchup in the oh. playoffs. No matter what happens, it would just be sensational. It would be awesome. That would be so much fun, and I know Canucks fans would love that as well because we've been dying for the rivalry yep. to start too. You know, we were talking about yeah. the Grizzlies. It never, never happened between the Grizzlies and nope. the Sonics because. The Grizzlies were so bad, and they were here for such a short time. And then, of course, the Sonics left afterwards, and it was like, wait a minute, we thought we might be getting a basketball rivalry, and now both teams are gone. Yeah, I mean, I think tonight will be fun, honestly. I, I mean, I'm looking forward to tonight. I think tonight's going to be a lot of fun. I mean, Seattle's in that, like you said, kind of desperation mode. They're playing. I mean, and fans, fans are good. They understand. They understand where this team is, and, and the building's great atmosphere. It's always a good atmosphere in the building, and I think I would assume – you know, I mean, Seattle fans, because of the price of tickets, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they sell their tickets on the secondary market a lot of times. And I'm sure we're going to have a lot of Vancouver. You know, this is the first time in three years, right, that Vancouver's been where they are in terms yep. of being a really good hockey team. I mean, you guys, a year ago, the roles were kind of reversed by this. A year ago right now, Seattle was solidly a playoff team. And, you know, for, for a while, I had the top winning percentage in the Western Conference in the second half of the year. And Vancouver was very much on the outside looking in. Well, you know, the good news, I think, for me, it's great to see Vancouver doing well. I like to bust, you know, Canucks fans' chops. You know, I go back and forth with your buddies across the street to check TV. And, and uh, your, your fan base is passionate, uh, to say the very least. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and they're a ton of fun to interact with. And, but I, if I'm being honest with you, uh, it's great when, you know, Vancouver's really good because I think that helps us down here. And I just, I think we're going to see a fun atmosphere tonight. I really do. I think it's going to be, I think it'll be a lot of Canucks fans in the building. 
that'll get Kraken fans riled up pregame at the different places. Uh, if you're coming down here, there's not a lot like it used to be. Queen Anne Beer Hall, that's where you go, Canucks fans, get there right. early. Um, it's a huge it's a huge gathering spot. I don't know if the Shark is still open up there or whatever it was uh, in Vancouver, but um, you know, kind of like that. Big place, tons of people beforehand. I, I, I can guarantee you that place is going to have like a 50-50 mix of Vancouver and Seattle fans. It's going to be a ton of fun, and and it should be a pretty good matchup. But are you guys going to play the Smith tonight? Hopefully, I mean, I, I'm hope, we're hoping to see him tonight. That, that'd be good. I don't, I don't, I don't think, so. think so. I think you're getting Demko. Sorry, man. That's <laughs> uh, too bad. <laughs> you guys, hey, Grubauer might be available if you need a quality backup. Yeah, well. we'll see about that. Um, just before we let you go, Ian. So as you mentioned, you know, a lot of pressure on the Kraken to win to try to maintain that fan interest. But I also look at it if they did decide to be sellers at the deadline just a couple of weeks away, they'd have some really interesting pieces that I think teams would value. You know, first and foremost, Jordan Eberle, who's a pending unrestricted free agent. What do you think they do ahead of the deadline? Well, the three pending UFAs that are at the top of the list are Justin Schultz, Jordan Eberle, as you mentioned, and Alex Winberg. And I just, for the life of me, whether they're in the in contention or not, whether they're right there, you know, I mean, I think they're going to be where they are right now. They'll probably be somewhere between, you know, two and six points out of a playoff spot with, you know, with time left to go. And so they're still caught in it. But I think that those three guys, Everly has said he wants to stay. I, I, I think for him to stay, you're not going to see more. Uh, average per year can't be more than $3 million for him if he sticks around. Uh, so maybe they can do something in that regard. But I, I think Winberg and, and Schultz for sure are guys they have to. They need to move those guys um, as, as pending UFAs. Schultz probably has some value for a team that needs to, to upgrade its you know, second power play unit. And, and Winberg, you know, quote, does the little things. I, I, I'm not sure what those little things are because I don't see a guy that's very good on faceoffs if that's his reputation. I see a guy with 22 points in 55 games who gets – not just top six minutes, but top three minutes. Um, but I think there's teams that will see some value in his, his play inside his own end. So I think those are guys he, they have to move. You know, you, you move Schultz and Riker Evans is in the lineup consistently, which they need. He's a young defenseman, a kid from the dub that's, that's shown flashes. But uh, wait if you've heard this before in the NHL. Uh, the head coach doesn't love young players. Have you ever heard that before in this league? Yeah, uh, I don't once know or twice. If that's a new thing or not, but it seems like it's definitely a hackstall thing. And uh, so for for guys like Shane Wright and Riker Evans and Ryan Winterton, and they've got a ton of they got like the top two scores in the Ontario League are their draft picks, by the way. Um, so Raykoff and Goyette. So and then you know what what uh, Jager Furkus is doing as well. Moose so I mean they've got a lot of young guys coming up over the next three year, two or three years. But you got to move some of these veterans and, and kind of force the coach's hand, I think, to play some of those young guys. Um, I, I, I know we've only got a few minutes here, but I do want to ask you a quick Seahawks question now that the Seahawks yeah. have their coaching staff filled out. Um, how many people connected Ryan Grubb as offensive coordinator with maybe the Seahawks trying to find a way to draft Michael Penix? Well, it was, it was the automatic connect the dots mm-hmm. uh, when that happened. But I don't think – you know, because the draft is so uncertain. Like, you have no idea if he's going to be there, what's going to happen in front of you, who's going to fall to you. So I don't think in any way, shape, or form were was it connected as far as John Schneider and, and Mike McDonald, the new head coach, are concerned. I don't think that was a that, – I don't think that connection ever came into play. I, I would say when the draft comes around, you know, there's nobody that knows Michael Penix better than Ryan Grubb. And, 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 it's, and it works both ways, guys. Like – like, I know a lot of people are oh, well, you know, if he's there, Grubb's going to want him. Well, there's also a chance if he's there that Grubb's going to say, you know what? <laughs> I, 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 like, like here, are the, here are the warts, here are the blemishes, and maybe we don't want to go down that road. Yeah. Like, that, that could certainly be the case as well. And there are some with Michael Penix, and they need so much other – they need so much help out of the way. They need to fill out their defensive line. They need to fix the, the middle of their offensive line. Um, I think that 16th pick, they can move down and, and, include, and get some other picks to, to kind of augment that. So I don't, I don't think Penix is going to get drafted at 16 by Seattle. Maybe if he's in the second round, and they don't have a second-round pick right now, but if they add one and move down, maybe if he's there, you go with it. But I think for everyone that says Grubb and Penix are connected, uh, and it's, it'd be an automatic if he's there because the offensive coordinator coached him in college, I would counter with there's also a chance 
that we'll never know one way or the other, there's also a chance that Ryan Grubb could see the blemishes and say, I, I don't think that that's the guy we want right now. So you think it's very, very likely that Geno Smith will be the starting quarterback next season? Yeah, I, I, they, they guaranteed his, his contract with the roster bonus last Friday. There was a deadline five days after the Super Bowl. So they, they did that. Um, I, I guess I would say if I'm a – if I'm a betting man, I'd say the, the, the odds are Geno. There's a chance it could be Drew Locke if they bring him back on, you know, on, a, on a smaller contract. I, there's, there's a big part of me that could just see them going you know, Locke or uh, Geno and Locke Did you? You know, and bringing, that, bringing the, the band back together and, just, and, and then drafting a quarterback later on. You know, I, I just, you know, this is not an organization. And, and we don't know how much Pete had an influence on the draft. We'll have a, probably a better idea once we see the first John Schneider-only draft. But I, I think they're going to try to fill out some of the other roster holes. They've got linebacker questions. Is, are they bringing back Bobby and Jordan Brooks? Um, you know, they've got some really – I think here's the thing, and, and this is from a Cougar fan who despises all things purple and gold in Washington uh, and the Huskies, but – Great respect for what Ryan Grubb does and did. And I just know that he went to Washington and the biggest weak link for the Huskies when he got there was supposed to be the wide receiving core and a hole at quarterback. Well, Michael Penix became a Heisman Trophy candidate and three wide receivers are going to play in the NFL thanks to Ryan Grubb. Imagine what he can do with DK Metcalf, Jackson Smith and Jigba, Tyler Lockett, and an outstanding running back in Ken Walker. I, I think that Geno Smith is in some ways an NFL version of Michael Penix. Not very athletic, but athletic enough. Incredible arm talent to really sling it. If given the opportunity, get some guys open. And, and I think Grubb and, and Gino could be actually pretty fun. Ian, good luck to your Cougs tonight in Arizona. Are they the good best boys? I'll be, are oh, they the best man, college team in Washington State right now? Are they better than Gonzaga? Oh, not even close. Gonzaga can't even sniff us right now. They're, they're not very much. They're, they're running scared over in Spokane. They wouldn't even travel down to Pullman. But uh, I know I'm going to be torn tonight because I've got to cover the Kraken game, and I'm, I'll be there, and that game starts at 8. So I'll be uh, watching the Cougs on the laptop and keeping them one eye on the on the hockey game and probably listening to all the Canucks fans chirping in the stands. It's, it's going to be a fun night. <laughs> Have fun with Ian. Thanks for joining us. Take care. Take care, boys. See ya. Uh, that is Ian Furness from KJR Radio, Fox 13 in Seattle as well. Always fun having Ian on. I did have to laugh, and he's like, yeah, a, a personality or two would be nice. Welcome to the NHL. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just imagine all the sports fans in Seattle who are used to, you know, like Marshawn Lynch and Richard Sherman. and like, right. all right, a new team. It's like, yeah. you guys, do you have any personality or anything? Like, yeah. you guys want to be interesting? No. Do you want to say anything players. controversial? I, I, I miss DK Metcalf. <laughs> I, I miss that. Uh, uh, okay, Drance is going to join us next. So uh, Dodd has had a vacation from Drance right. that ends uh, now. all week, and it ends now. So we'll uh, get into the Canucks conversation with Drancer coming up next on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.